Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us. I'm Joanne White, and it's such a pleasure to be here, and welcome to Power Your Life. And speaking of powering your life, it's so important to take a look right now. We're all going through challenges, and think about how you can move past those challenges. Not always easy. Sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes we're clueless, and yet sometimes even the most hard, difficult, very terrible or whatever kind of experience that sometimes leaves us like, what's going to happen? How can we get through this? We think that we we can't or, or it's impossible. We're going to actually show you today how you can. And I have somebody who has been through so much and is here to share so much wisdom with you and ways that she actually moved past her trials and tribulations. And I'm talking about Harriet Tinker, who despite unimaginable obstacles in her life, overcame the hurdles and found success by inspiring thousands of audiences to reach their full potential. Stabbed, kidnapped, and left for dead, she turned her horrifying experience into motivation. Harriet's inspired excuse me, and given hope to women who are faced with domestic violence, and she's known by her students as a powerhouse role model. Harriet's an invigorating, transformational speaker, a passionate life coach, blogger, chartered professional accountant, my goodness, football <laughs> official, and an ultramarathon runner. She's also the founder and the CEO of the award-winning social enterprise Empowered Me, Inc., a company whose mission is to inspire and empower girls and women. Harriet's received numerous awards, including the YWCA Women of Distinction, Global Woman of Vision, Afro-Canadian Community Woman of the Year, Action for Healthy Communities Youth Empowerment Award, I'm just going on and on, Royal Integrity Award and Daughter's Day Award. She's a tireless, just an incredibly tireless individual who gives back to so many people, a philanthropist and a Toastmaster Divisional Champion. Wow, Harriet Tinka, welcome. You are impressive. Oh, Oh, thank you, Dr. Joanne. I'm excited to be to be and uh, share some of my wisdom and experience with your audience. So thank you so much for having me. Well, it's certainly my pleasure. And I think it's so apropos, given 
many of the challenges that we're facing right now. And, and, and like I said earlier, sometimes when we're going through those challenges, we feel hopeless and helpless and where can we turn? Yet you have done something masterful with your challenges. So can you go back a little bit in time, if it's not painful, and describe a little bit about what happened that's kind of turned your life around and has made you where you are, what you are and where you are today? Oh, you bet. I'm definitely happy to share my story with your, with your audience. Now, even today, it's still surreal for me to imagine that I am a domestic violence survivor. Here I was, an international model, walking the runways. I was full of confidence, yet I was a victim of a stalker. Now, my story really begins when I had just retired from the modeling industry that I had been in for over 10 years. I decided to, to break from the industry and just focus on my formal education. So it was at the university that I befriended a fellow student, having absolutely no idea that his attraction to me was a psychological trap that was disguised as love, but would later on become deadly. And I was a typical victim of domestic violence. I was young, I was naive, and I had absolutely no idea or clues on the signs of an abusive relationship. But yet I was vulnerable enough to trust him. Now, as I got to know him, he was very abusive. He would hit me, he would scream, yell, and but I would confuse that for love because I was in that honeymoon phase. But then he would apologize. So I thought, oh, he apologized. This must be okay. So it went on and on and on to the point where it was way too much and I could not really handle it. So I decided to go to the police and report the whole experience. The police said there's absolutely nothing they can do because nothing has happened. Mm. But the only thing that they could offer me was a restraining order, which is a document in case you listeners don't know what that is. It's a restraining, it's a document that basically tells the stalker not to come anywhere near you. So when they gave me that document, I was quite happy because I thought my life was going to go back to normal. So I got it and my life continued on as normal as it could be because it didn't come near me. But it was one one evening I was busy studying for my, my exam at the university. I looked at the time, it was quite late. So I decided, oh, I'm just going to go home and get some rest because it was close to midnight and the university was only five minutes away from from my uh, apartment building so I walked into the apartment building not even worried about what's around me I was just focused on just getting home and getting some rest so I walked into the elevator just looking in my handbag just looking for my keys and all of a sudden I felt somebody strangling my neck as tight as they could and I had a voice and it was him he said, how dare you get that restraining order against me? Don't you know that I'm the only man who would ever love you? And when I had the voice, I was quite scared, and I screamed. So he took his socks off and stuffed his socks into my mouth so that to silence me. And I, was, I couldn't talk anymore, so he grabbed me out of the elevator, pushed me into the vehicle, and we started driving off as far as possible. And at the time, neither one of us had cell phones. So he, as we're driving, he saw a telephone booth and he told me to get out of the car and call my parents to say goodbye to them because 
that would be the last time that they would ever hear from, from me. And he was recording the whole thing. And I said, no, I wasn't going to do it. He got quite upset. So he said, Harriet, I'm going to ask you one more time. In the back of my car, I have a rope, a knife, and gasoline. I am going to wrap your body up with a rope and cut your body and put it all in gasoline. Are you going to call your parents now? I looked at him again, and I said no. So that second no was worse than the first. He got so angry, he reached over in the glove compartment, took out a knife, and he stabbed me twice on the left leg. And there was blood gushing everywhere. And even today, I have absolutely no idea how I got from that point in the vehicle to the hospital. So when I woke up, there was my father and the doctor in the room. And in the waiting room, there was media and police waiting to talk to me. So the doctor told my father that I had lost a lot of blood. There was, my bones were chipped. And chances are I may never walk again. Or if I do, it will be a very long process. Now, when I had that news, I was absolutely shocked. Here I was, an international model, walking the runway full of confidence. But now I was a cripple and I was depressed. And the only thing that separated my confidence and, and my depression was my trauma. So I started feeling so sorry for myself. I started asking questions. Do I matter? Why did this happen? You know, you start going through those questions where you feel sorry for yourself. And I decided to take the advice that the doctor had given, which was to start maybe working on learning how to walk again. So after a few months, I, I got a physiotherapy and started learning how to walk. And one evening, I was afternoon actually, I was waiting in the waiting room to get my physio. And a little girl kind of wheeled in with a wheelchair full of energy and so excited and I really did not want to talk to her. It was that moment where you don't want to talk to anybody. Anyway, she was so tenacious and kept asking and asking why I was there. So finally I told her why I was there and she listened to my story and she was about nine years old and so I gave her the version where a nine-year-old could understand. I didn't give her all the graphic details. So she said, Thank you. <laughs> you need to use you need, yeah, because I wouldn't want to really um, make her feel like, oh my gosh, what's this story? It's so dramatic. So I, so when she had my story, she said, "Wow, you should use your story and make a difference in the world." And when she said that, I thought, "Oh, what's a nine-year-old having this wisdom?" So I asked her what <laughs> she meant by that. So she said that in their family, what they do every night, um, mostly they usually sit around and they tell stories and they share stories. And to them, this, to her, this was just another story that I could share with the world. So that's how she viewed it in, in her mind. But I viewed it differently at that point. And then I asked her why she was in a wheelchair getting a physio as well. She said, well, not too long ago there was a car accident. She was, her, her parents were actually going with her to a dance recital and they were having so much fun and there was a drunk driver who hit the vehicle head on collision so both her parents Mm. had passed away so she was motherless fatherless and homeless but yet she had so much gratitude so when I had her story I thought my story was nothing compared to hers but really life is not about comparing stories it's about what you do with what happens so it was later on that I started healing, maybe two or three years later, when I was feeling great about my life and 
It took a long process. I started connecting the dots from the back. So I remembered what the little girl had said a few years back. And that's when I decided to start my own business called Empowered Me, which is about empowering young people and mostly girls and women to be the truest version of themselves, to let go of the self-limiting beliefs that we all have and just live the life that you're meant. So I've been doing a lot you know, of things You know, I think it's community. so valuable that 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 mm-hmm. you met that little girl. It's like <laughs> she, yeah. She, yeah, she actually be, gave you an, an idea, uh, planted it's a beautiful seed that has actually helped so many other girls and women because of what you've you've done with your adversity and your challenge. Whatever happened to that guy? Did they find him? Was is he in prison? I mean, did he just disappear? Well, he he was uh, he, he did actually turn himself in shortly after. I don't know. He got rid of all the weapons. They they never really got everything. They just found a few. He got three months in jail. But because here in Canada, you only do a certain percentage of what you're you're supposed to do. So you only get about two months in total. So that's uh, so that took out a there lot again. of forgiving. Yeah. 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 You yeah, have to do a lot. Two, do you 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 said you woke up in the hospital? Do you think he's the one because maybe he got frightened or whatever? What seeing all the gushing blood? Do you do you think he's the one that that got you there, or you, or you just don't know? I I have no idea, but I was told, somebody who was because he what the person I suspected was him. They said I was dropped off at the emergency door, and I was just late. I was they found me on the floor there. So somebody picked me up from the emergency doors and took me to the ER. So they nobody really knows what happened, and you will never admit it if it was him or not. Right. So I'm going to guess but, it was him because it makes sense to me that yeah. it was him. Maybe felt a bit guilty. Because somebody else, yeah, and maybe he got scared by all that blood because somebody else probably wouldn't just leave you on the, on the ground, on the floor, right? I mean, yeah. they would do something. Yeah, but he probably did that, and like you said, he fled. So, mm-hmm. wow, tell us a little bit more about your company, Empowered Me and Inc., and a little bit more about what it's doing. Is it is it international? Is it national? And and some of the things that you've done recently for some of the girls and women. It's actually international. It was actually, um, initially I was mostly doing it in Canada because of the traveling, but now the way the economy is and the traveling, I've been actually doing, reaching out more people through Zoom and all of that. So it's the the whole COVID economy, so to speak, has actually allowed me to reach out to more people because we can do it more in Zoom before I had to travel and get to the place. And personally, I love to travel and meet the people in person because some of the things that you can do are different than what you can do online. But I've had to be innovative in that way. So uh, I have read your book, and it's not just your book. It's also Dr. Liker's book. Tell tell our listeners how the two of you met and, and how you decided to kind of write this this book together as part, di- you know, dialoguing back and forth and so much more, and then we'll get to these incredible pearls of wisdom. But tell tell our listeners about that first. 
Oh, you bet. So Dr. Laika is a, he still is, but when he was doing his medical practice, he was a big philanthropist. So he gave, a, he gave back to the community. And one of the biggest things that he was doing, he was sponsoring an event called the YWCA Women of Distinction. So this event was basically an event where it recognizes women in the community that had been those trailblazers, those scientists, those different things that women had done in the community. So basically, there's judges, and then they really then one woman is awarded the, the award. So in my category, I was nominated in was called Turning Point. So that's the category where you have used your life to make a difference in the community. So it was my program and my company and what I'd done that was being recognized. And there's 15 women or so in that category. But I was, uh, the, I was honored to be the recipient of that, of that award. So I was very excited. I accepted the award. And then I got to meet Dr. Laika, who was the sponsor of the event. And it was great because I met him. We went for lunch. And uh, I was reminding that I bought him lunch that day, just to <laughs> add to it. <laughs> so when we met for lunch, we, he, he, he was quite impressed with my story, and he also had a story. So we shared our stories back and forth. And then we said, perhaps one day we should write a book. And that was about six years ago. So we wrote the book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, with 13 golden pearls that we've discovered within. You know, it's beautiful because, again, a lot of people don't see their tragedy or their challenge as something that they can actually grow from and share and and help others through that. And yet that's what both you and and Dr. Laika saw as well, and that's what you're, you're doing. So let's talk a little bit about this book because I think it's so important. And... Why did you choose pearls to speak of in terms of accessing that kind of inner guidance and information, Harriet? Well, we we chose, uh, I'm not sure if you know, the, the, the golden pearls actually exist in life. They actually do exist in case you you are didn't know because at first I didn't know and then when I did my research like oh this is so symbolic because I've always loved pearls ever since I was a little girl. Now the way the golden pearls form is that there's a a, there, a grain of sand gets into a specific oyster, and this South Sea oyster is called a uh, Patida maxima and it can only be found in Indonesia and the Philippines. So the sand causes trauma when it gets into the oyster, and then the oyster will walls it off, and as it's trying to push it out of the body, a material called luster produces a beautiful golden pearl. So the golden wow. pearl goes through trauma, and it goes through so much, and at the end it comes out as this golden pearl. So we felt it was so symbolic for what we had gone through, or the trauma we had gone through, or the suffering, because suffering is really a fire that purifies and strengthens you. And it's a reminder that at the end, you're going to come up on top. It's like a breakthrough. So the trauma that you're going through, it's a lesson. These are lessons that we're learning as we go. And if you, if you don't suffer, you don't appreciate the good things that you have. Well, you know something, too. It's, it, it, it makes you stronger when you're going through, you know, I've been through some of my own challenge that I've been beginning to share, but when you go through 
the trauma. And sometimes you think, as you did, you know, you're not going to get through it. How am I going to walk? How am I going to whatever? And you get through it through perseverance and and courage. And when you step on the other side of that, like the other side of the golden pearl, going through all those changes, you're transformed. Something beautiful has happened within that experience that you had no idea initially. Like you said, when you you know when you right before you met that little girl, like you were depressed, and and it just shifted you to understand what your purpose was through this adversity to be able to to help other people in need, and that's so so very beautiful. So share with us one of the golden pearls that is in the book that you find very important. Mm, all, I could do purpose or forgiveness. Which one would you? The, Let's do both. So start with forgiveness because a lot of people need to be more forgiving right now about what's going on in their lives and less anger. And I think forgiveness opens the way to release some of that anger and to feel more connected to oneself and also to to others. So start there. Oh, you bet. Now, um, we're often told that um, when something traumatic happens to you or somebody hurts you, you should forgive right away so you can start healing. Now, forgiveness is easy if somebody cuts you off when you're driving or a friend of yours comes late when you're supposed to meet a certain time, that's easy to forgive. But when something has happened to you or your child, that's really, really hard to forgive. You cannot have to go through a process because you're not born to with the ability to forgive, but we are born with the ability to hate. And hate is a natural human emotion. And if you look in Wikipedia, Wikipedia the definition of hate is an intense or passionate dislike for someone. So when people say, I don't want to hate, really what they mean, I don't want to be angry, because anger is reactive, it's hostile, it's that lack of self-control. Hate really protects, or and it's more proactive. And we'll use the word hate to remind ourselves of, for example, I can say, I hate cancer because it hurts, it's hurting my father, and I'm seeing him suffering. So what I had to do, I had to use that word hate to, to learn how to forgive. So I used three steps. Number one, write down the reason why you hate. I hate my attacker because he put me in the hospital. I hate my attacker because he put a scar on my leg. So that's step number one. And then step number two, take the second sentence and turn it into love. I hate my attacker because I love being healthy. I hate my attacker because I love my perfect imperfections. Now, number three, get rid of the hate because it's doing you no good. Now, focus on just the love statements. I love being healthy. I love my perfect imperfection. So it becomes a love journal. So you do it in the morning. You talk about what you love, the things that are going well, and then you do it in the evening. So now it's a love journal, and that's how you learn to forgive. It's a process. It doesn't, it doesn't go overnight, but number one, so those are the three steps. Write down the reason why you hate. And number two, take the second sentence and turn it into love. And then the third, just focus on the last statement. So that's how I had to learn to forgive. 
You know, it's it's interesting. I have trouble with the word hate. I mean, <laughs> I don't like mm-hmm. it. I find that that I try to say dislike or or something else yeah. because to me, hate is like it's so true. horrific. And and, and um, but I yeah. but I understand because you have you have to go through shifting it to into love. I remember years ago I was doing a seminar. And we were talking about forgiveness, and this one woman raised her hand and stood up, and she, and she was molested, and she, she had such anger and such vehemence in her. She said, "I will never, ever forgive that perpetrator." I, you know, and, and it was so, you could feel, Harriet, the, the, the anger and the hurt and the wound that was so still raw after so many years. So I think your way of being able to turn hate into love be, is, is so beautiful because I always think that when we're holding on to that hatred, that anger, that inability to forgive, it's toxicity within us. And so when you're forgiving someone, it's also in my in my mind, it's also helping you move past that into, like you said, into that beautiful place of love as well as forgiving that person who did horrific things to you, which which is so important. So thank you for that because we need to turn hate, especially now. There's so much discord in our world. We need to turn hate into love and see the benefits and the beautiful effects of that. So thank you. So tell us about the... The second pearl, golden pearl, that you you were excited about. Oh, a purpose. So that's uh, the other one that we talk about in the book is purpose. And uh, Dolly Parton actually says it very well. And she and I'm gonna paraphrase what she says. She she says everybody has a purpose, and I absolutely agree with that. And now, especially now with COVID, everybody's basically stuck at home. And and um, I'm, I'm sure here in Canada, a lot of things, we have kind of basically back to normal. Things have opened up a lot. But for some some states and all that, still everybody's still in quarantine and isolated. So when you're going, when we all went through that, there was that self-reflection, kind of trying to figure out what is my purpose. So in the book, we use a Japanese word called ikigai. Is I K I G A I, so ikigai for Japanese word for the reason for being. So when you're trying to figure out your reason for being, you ask of yourself four very important questions. So the first question is, what is it that you love to do? Maybe you are a soccer player, and you maybe you love soccer. You love that whole. Doesn't necessarily mean you want to be a soccer player. Maybe it means you want a career that has that. That, comp- that community feel, that competitive nature. Or perhaps you like the art gallery, you love drawing, you love painting. So that doesn't necessarily mean you want to be an artist. It could mean maybe you want a career in the art. I mean, you want a career that's creative, that sort of thing. That sort of thing is, is what you would you kind of, when you're going through the process, what is it that you love to do? And then the second thing is, what are you good at? You may not know what you're good at. Perhaps you've done something with your friends, and they'll say, oh, Dr. Joanne is really good at this. She's a really good listener. So that perhaps could mean maybe you want to be a psychologist or you want to be a podcaster, or maybe you're good with numbers like I am. You could be an accountant. So that's number two is what are you good at? 
And then number three, what does the community need? Look around right now. What is it that you can do with your skill set and fill in the gap that's missing? And then the very last one is what can you do and get paid for it? So those are the four questions when you're trying to find your purpose. What do you love to do? What are you good at? What does the community need? And what is it that you can do and get paid for it? So once you've found, answered those questions, you've found your ikigai. But for your audience, I would just recommend to do what I call the part-time ikigai. Just write down what you love to do and what you're good at first because it's a very comprehensive exercise. And I find the easiest people to ask these questions are usually kids. They can answer that right away. They can tell you, yes, this is what I love to do. But as adults, we seem to have difficulty trying to answer those four questions. You know, it's interesting because um, I, I think it's so important to be able to recognize what we're excited about, what we're passionate about, what we love, and also what we're good at. And you're right. I mean, kids just know that and when oftentimes I'll say to somebody so when you were a child what were you excited about what were you passionate about because like you said Harriet sometimes adults like oh so but to go back and have that that memory that that remembrance of the passion and the excitement and whatever can actually begin that beautiful process. So purpose is so beautiful, and so is forgiveness. And there are so many more pearls of wisdom in this incredible book, Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. Do you feel, we're running out of time, do you feel that your life is fantastic? And how would you describe that? How would you describe a fantastic life? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's so fantastic because I really focus on serving. And I think if you just focus on helping other people, you don't really focus on some of the things that are going on in your life because it's so easy to just sit down and have that, you know, self-pity and feel sorry for yourself or you lose your self-worth. And um, I am really big on self-empowerment, and I really go through the whole how to be self-empowered because it's a process. I call it my Maslow kind of, it's like the Maslow hierarchy of needs, but I call it the, the Maslow hierarchy of empowerment. So I go through that. But I feel like I live a life that I was meant to have because I focus on making an impact on other people. And you do so beautifully, and it's so important, the work that you're doing. Now, tell us a little bit more about your company. How do you help people feel empowered, especially young girls? What, what, what are you doing? What are they doing to be able to see themselves as more empowered and capable? I think one of the biggest things when the girls come into my program or when I'm doing presentation is they never feel they're enough or they, they don't feel they have that self-worth. And that's probably common for all of us. So I think with the young girls, or even I even work with boys, not just girls, because if you're going to empower our girls, we also have to empower our boys. So I do work with them as well, as well as men. But with them, I just use simple activities with them. For example, if you're coming in saying, oh, I have no self-worth, what I'll do, I'll use a, a good visual. I'll bring in a $20 bill. And I'll ask, who wants this $20 bill? Of course, everybody wants it. And then I'll take the $20 bill, I'll crumble it up, I'll step on it, sometimes I'll dump some water on it, and then I'll ask them who wants this $20 bill. Everybody wants it. 
and I tell them, you proved your point. Because in life, you're going to get crumbled. You're going to get stepped on. You're going to get all these things happening to you. But at the end of the day, you do not lose your self-worth. So all the things you're going through, it's part of the learning process. Don't be afraid of pain. This is your pain. You need to go through it to learn some things. Your parents cannot protect you from all the pain. We all need to go through all this process. And things change, just like the seasons change. We have summer, winter, autumn, and all that. Things are not meant to last forever. What we're going through right now is temporary. And the other thing I'd like to, to let them know is we're all going through the same thing but different. For example, if you throw a stone in a puddle or a lake or an ocean or waterfall, it's going to react differently, even though you're throwing the same stone in different types of water. There's absolutely no measuring stick on when we're supposed to, to be better. Ten minutes to, to feel great, somebody else an hour, some uh, other months and weeks and so on. So we're all going through the same thing by reacting differently. You know, I think that those messages are so powerful, not just for young girls and boys, but for all of us, because, yes, we all need to feel valued, and we all need to recognize that that we have self-worth, even if other people have tried to diminish that. We need to stand tall and strong and believe in ourselves. So I love the message. I love the analogies. I love the 13 golden pearls within of wisdom that, uh, unfortunately, we can't cover all of them today. Harriet Tinka, you are a gift, and tell our listeners how they could find out more about your programs, more about your business, your enterprise, and more about you and connect with you. Oh, definitely. If they want to get a hold of me, they can reach me through my website, which is www.empoweredme.ca. It's empoweredme.ca. So that's where they can get a hold of me. Email me through there as well. My email is also there. It's just Harriet at empoweredme.ca. I'm always happy to send emails, and that's how I I like to connect with people. And if they want to call me, definitely they can also call me as well. Everything is on the website. And if they want to get a hold of the book, it's also on Amazon, Amazon Amazon.com or Amazon.ca, so both. And if they want to know more about me and Dr. Laika, it's all posted on Dr. Laika's uh, website, which is com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I think it's wonderful. Again, I think it's so important that the information that you are transmitting to people, and especially now for people to have a sense of hope, a sense of purpose, and to know that they can get through this and and thrive. Thank you so much, Harriet. Tinka, have a beautiful day. Oh, you as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Stay blessed. Bye-bye. You too. So think about what Harriet Tinka said, because those beautiful golden pearls can actually help you through the adversity and help you feel stronger and help you know that you can get through it, whatever it is, and to also know that you have the ability and the wherewithal to feel and be empowered. And Harriet said something beautiful that she does. It's a beautiful message that I believe in, too, and that is helping other people 
in need. Helping other people also helps us, helps us feel good, and it's a way of serving. And I believe, as Harriet does, that we're we're here to serve, and it's so important, especially now, to reach out to people, maybe less fortunate, people who feel more and more isolated, and do what you can safely to let them know that you care and you're not and they're not alone. If you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version. You can go to doc d o c w h i t e dot org. Find out more about upcoming shows, blogs, messages, and ways to uplift yourself. And remember, you do, as Harriet said, you can shift. You can change. You have the ability, the wherewithal within you to empower yourself. So take a few steps today and empower yourself to be the best you that you can be. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.